<laughs> we're, uh, we're off to a great start. Look, g'day to everyone on Spreaker. Sorry, we've been chatting for the last five minutes. You missed all the intro and everything, but <laughs> never mind. We got there in the end. And- how, about, how about you start watching it on bloody Facebook or YouTube? Spreaker's so <laughs> not, uh, 2018, Nick. Oh, God. Anyway. Oh, that, that was that was a decent year. <laughs> oh, well, it wasn't a bad we, year. We weren't as shit as we are now. No, we weren't as shit as we are now. Uh, but never the mind. girls won a premiership. Yes, they, the who? Oh, and good on Erin, yeah. too, for uh, for joining up again for another year. She's going to play until she's about 50, I reckon. <laughs> oh, if there's any player that could do it, it's going to be Erin. Uh, uh, and we did, get some, we did get some nice little... Um, Draft picks in as well. Yeah, look, some I, nice, I, some good youth. I was explaining uh, just how good Aaron is to my partner the other day, um, who's not really into sport all that much, and just she's just such an impressive athlete, you know, across multiple sports. And I, I'm pretty sure she's the type that would have been able to uh, excel at just about any sport she uh, she put her mind to. So uh, fantastic to have her running around again. Anyway. Um, have you been watching much of the footy? I saw a little bit during the week. Um, yep. so, and, and you're right, there are a couple of games that, that weren't too bad. Yeah, no, look, the uh, the Saints-Suns game was pretty good, um, I thought. Um, and, the, I, and the Collingwood-Swans one wasn't... That yeah, was actually really, that was a really good Thursday viewing. I didn't see that one, unfortunately. Um, but uh, nevertheless... Um, what was the other one I thought was all right? The um, Essendon Giants game was pretty good as well. So now, nice close one. In keeping with the fact that I'm totally confused about which round it is, and uh, <laughs> it's round ten and round eleven. I'm totally confused about what day it is, and I'm totally confused yeah, so about what I'm doing here. And to, to help you out. Because I've got my footy wire open and I'm mm. switching back and forth between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, round 10 finished on Friday. Round 11 yeah. started on Saturday. Beautiful. All right. Well, let's kick straight into the scores, shall we? Because, you know, why not? <laughs> <laughs> but people are going to have to put up with the uh, AFL website for the graphics tonight for these because uh, I didn't have a chance to put them through. But look, it all started on Wednesday, August the 5th. No, it didn't. Started now. Hang on. So the last two round, uh, last two games of round ten, yep. were the Port Bulldogs game, which Port won eight seven fifty five. No, to... that was the start of uh, round eleven. No, it oh, wasn't. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. no, no, no. No, you're correct. Oh my god! Port don't Bulldogs. make it worse. Don't round make 10. it worse. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> so round ten finished off with Port beating the Bulldogs by thirteen points, eight seven fifty five to five twelve forty two. Seems like a thousand years ago. Um, and then on the Tuesday night, we had the final round, uh, the final match of no. round 10. Yes, we did. No, we didn't. Yes, we did. No, we didn't. When was it? Was this oh, Friday? Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, no, right. Essendon GWS yeah. is the last sorry, one. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, on Tuesday, there was a match, and Richmond played... Brisbane, and I thought Brisbane were very disappointing, Nick. Uh, Richmond, oh, that was... 12, 10, 82. Brisbane, 4, oh, 17, 41. Brisbane just never really looked to be playing their own style of football. Um, and uh... well, once, Yeah, once again, 
they're Richmond's bunnies. Yeah, they seem to be. Under Fagan, um, under Fagan they haven't beaten Richmond. No, it's... Uh, It'd be a worry for Brisbane because they're going to come up against Richmond in the finals, you would have thought, So unless they're lucky with the draw. So uh, they're going to have to get that sorted out. On Wednesday, um, we had... Who do we have? We had, <laughs> Do you know what? On the... On the uh, we had Geelong and North. Geelong and North, that's right. We did too. Uh, but I'm just... I'm actually helping you out at the moment, Nikki, because on the... Uh, <laughs> On the graphic at the moment, uh, your name, Nikki, is above Maka, Maka's image, uh, which I'm sure you wouldn't like. Anyway, Geelong <laughs> played North on Wednesday, 13-12-90 uh, to 9-3-57. Geelong getting up comfortably there, 33 points. And Geelong never ceased to amaze me. They continue to... Uh, they just continue to win matches and... Be around the mark. It's a credit Bastards. to them. It's a credit to them. It really is, and they're doing it without their uh, star recruit Josh Jenkins too. Um, <laughs> That's probably actually why they're winning. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway, and then we also played on Wednesday night. We'll get back to that one. Uh, then Thursday, Collingwood six fourteen fifty. Defeated Sydney, six goals, five forty-one. in what, by all reports, was a very good game of football. It, it was indeed. Um, but very interesting thing that came out of that was a player wearing illegal boots and the club's gotten away without a fine or anything else and yet Isaac Quainor is going to be out for a couple of weeks because yeah. of massive gash in his leg. Yeah. We actually thought with the way he they were holding it that he'd broken his leg. Yeah. It... Um, Tell me, this is a professional sport and you would have thought that the equipment would need to be pre-approved by someone in the AFL uh, before... By the clubs? Being, well, you would have thought, wouldn't you? I mean, well, it that's is. reasonable, the clubs, isn't it? The clubs are actually responsible for it. Now, all of the players do have individual boot sponsors. Yep. The vast majority of them do. And you would have thought that but, equipment is approved. So how in the hell... Yes. How in the hell is a player able to wear boots that are that are partly aluminium uh, studded? I don't, I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. And the fact that Sydney have gotten away with a warning mm. is it shows once again how toothless the AFL is because they have that equipment um, there. The rules, you yeah. break it. You pay the penalty, not a, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry to Isaac Quainor. Yeah, yeah. Which no, helps look, us out. It just, there are times when this bloody competition is so amateur, it really shocks me. But anyway. Um, and then we had another entertaining game on Thursday night. St Kilda getting up 12 6 the Suns, 11 8, 74. Uh, the Suns would have been very disappointed by that loss, I would have thought. Oh, yeah. But St. Kilda, I, I actually, I actually thought, I, I thought the Suns were a chance to get them. I, do, I really like the way both teams play. And whilst the, the Saints have been playing exceptionally well, I thought this was actually a chance for Gold Coast. And it, they, nearly, they nearly did it. Yeah. Uh, I, I felt like they went away from their game style. Um, under pressure, Nick. I felt like St Kilda were able to uh, confine them to the wings and keep them out of the corridor and just just 
stop their fluid run um, when it counted. So that's that's inexperience from Gold Coast, and uh, I reckon, look, they're they're on the rise. They've got a great squad, Uh, Isaac Rankin, if you don't mind, and Jack Lacocious really starting to... um, to uh, show his worth uh, playing across half-back. So uh, a couple of gun South Aussies that it would have been nice to be watching in Crows colours, but never mind. And then Friday, Callum Ward won an Academy Award uh, and as a consequence, the Giants got up 8-11.59 to Essendon 8-7.55. <laughs> that was ridiculous, don't you think? I, I haven't seen it, but uh, Radicus in the chat has said there's been some great synchronised diving competition happening. Oh, well, who was the other lad that... Um, uh, Papley, Papley did another yeah. spectacular yeah, Papley, dive. Pa- Papley did a fabulous one. Yeah, but Wards, I mean, wasn't, be, Wards wasn't a dive. Was there. Oh, look, Wards, Wards wasn't a dive. What Ward did, and he freely admitted it in the post-match, he he put his he put himself where he knew he was going to get hit, and uh, poor old Sean McKernan was going for the ball right and got to the ball right got to the ball at the same time that Callum Ward got to the contest, and Callum Ward took one for the team. He didn't dive, he didn't stage, but he knew he was going to get hit, and he got hit. And I don't think it was high. I think it was in. I think it was a reasonable. I think it was reasonable contact in play, and I think McKernan and Essendon were dead set stiff, to be honest. Uh, so never so, mind. So, so this is actually something that we can actually relate back to, um, where Riley O'Brien protected his own space. Yep. In oh, there's been the a umpire. few of those. Yeah. There's, there's, there was one this afternoon as well in the West Coast Carlton game where I can't remember who it was. It was the Carlton Ruckman, and he was just protecting space. It, you're allowed to do that in the Ruck contest. It, it absolutely baffles me as to who is actually in charge of the umpiring at the moment because it's completely and utterly disorganised. Oh, Gil McLaughlin's in charge of the umpiring. Because it's part of the it, it's uh, shocking. part of the product, part of the product. But uh, yeah, I, those ruck contest um, block calls are just out and out wrong. If if a ruckman takes position, he's allowed to keep the the other ruckman out of that space and um, contest the ball. He's not. If a third person comes in and blocks the ruckman, then sure, it's a block, absolutely. But um, the, this, whoops, sorry. Uh, this situation where um, uh, the ruckman is getting done in basically for holding the other ruckman at bay, uh, to me, is it's a ridiculous call. It really is a ridiculous call. I don't know where that's come from, but uh, it needs to be tidied up. Now, round 11. <laughs> We've started it. Started with the Classic on Saturday, Port v Richmond. Um Port, that was a. I know Richmond were a little bit undermanned, uh, but that was a powerful win by Port, running away from Richmond in the end, thirteen fifteen ninety three, to Richmond eleven six seventy two. Um, uh, and Holding how them good, scoreless in the last quarter. Nick, how good are their kids? How good are Port Adelaide's twenty eighteen kids? Don't make me say it. It hurts. It hurts. I mean. 
Wow. Um, Butters, Dersma, that uh, young Georgiades is going to be a champ, I reckon. Uh, oh, I, I think a lot of people knew that about Georgiades. I mean, he's a oh. very skinny kid, but... Um, and he I mean, even Mark Cole... and he doesn't shirk it at all. Oh. Yeah, that they knew that everybody knew that going into that draft that that kid was something special. Yep, he is something special, absolutely. Um, they got some good young kids, and uh, they're all playing well at the moment. They're playing as a team, and they've got a couple of good old stages. Robbie Gray played very well, um, and uh, yeah, they're looking the goods at the moment. And the other game on Saturday, Brisbane, uh, 14-12-96, getting up over the Bulldogs, 11-6-72, margin of 24. And the Bulldogs are kind of suffering a bit from being around the mark. They're coming up against good teams at the moment and uh, probably uh, just uh, not quite... They're probably middle of the pack at the moment, I would say, the Bullies. Yeah, they do get to... um... they'll sometimes go a little bit above themselves and they'll beat some of those teams that are ahead of them. But, yeah, yeah, I think you're right, that they're middle of the pack at the moment. Yeah, just just lacking a little bit of class, I reckon, the Bulldogs. They've got some good players, but uh, just lacking a little bit of class. Um, and then today, the Weagles coming from behind, uh, 11-6-72, to beat a gallant Carlton, seven goals, eight fifty. Uh Margin there of 22 points. Uh, West Coast really starting to click into gear now. And uh, we'll be looking to make the most of their home games because uh, the reports are now that West Coast and Frio will be asked to return to the Gabba after, I think, round 14. So they're going to have to make hay while the sun shines to make the most of their uh, Optus Stadium schedule. Uh, and the other game that's just finished uh, that I haven't watched at all, Melbourne 13-14-92, to North Melbourne, five five thirty five. A margin there of fifty seven points. So uh, predictable result that one. And uh, who cares about that one really? <laughs> yep, same. So thanks to the afl dot com dot au website, we'll look at the ladder. <laughs> oh dear, uh, and. And it's a bit of a mess because we've got teams that have played 11 and 10 and 9. But uh, top 8, we've got Port. And uh, Port on top with 36 points, having played 11 games. Uh, Brisbane on 32, also having played 11 games. Then we've got the Saints and the Weagles on 28 points with a game in hand. So they could join Brisbane on 32 points. Then we've got Richmond on 26 points, having played 11 um, and Geelong and the Giants and also Collingwood or Geelong and Giants on 24 points can leapfrog uh, Richmond um, and Collingwood on 22 can join Richmond. So Richmond sort of just there thereabouts at the moment. They've played some good teams, but uh, they've got the Suns next week. Uh, that's not going to be a, a pushover. Uh, no, that's going to be an interesting game. Yeah, it will be an interesting game. Just out of the eight, we've got the Bulldogs uh, on 20 points after 11 wins. We've got Essendon with two games in hand on 20. So that might throw up a little bit of funny stuff. Um, Gold Coast on 16 points after 10. Uh, Melbourne on 16 points after 9. Carlton on 16 points after 10. Hawthorne on 16 points after 9. 
12, fucking hell. Uh, North on 12 points along with Fremantle and Sydney. And Adelaide Crows, we could have 20 games in hand. We'd still be on the bottom. Uh, <laughs> with a horrible, horrible, horrible percentage as well, 55%. Goodness gracious me. However, it's not as bad as it could be, Nikki. It could have been a lot worse because... It could actually, be a lot worse. Look, I actually thought... I actually thought, and we'll just uh, reiterate the score um, of the Crows-Melbourne game. Where the hell is it? Far too many. 37 to 88. 5-7 to 13-10. Yeah. So 13-10-88 to 5-7-37, as Nikki rightly pointed out. 51 points in the end. But really, uh, a couple of goals down going into the last quarter, and it really could have been closer than that. Um, it, it could Alex, have. I think you were you were absolutely spot on last week when you talked about our fitness, because I think that's purely and simply all it came down to. Oh, no doubt. Is that no, fitness in the last quarter? No doubt, and I'll chuck up some stats in a minute uh, that highlight that. Well and truly. But, um, look, I want to really try and focus on the positives of this game because I felt for the first half in particular and probably uh, for some periods in the third quarter, um, it was probably the best footy we've played all season. Yeah. I I actually... There were some silly mistakes still being made, but I think you're right. And I liked the look of the team. As well, yeah. yeah. And I thought we had some of those senior players played their best games. Yep. Um, in Brown, who we've been quite rightly saying that you know he's been a bit down. I thought that was his best game of the season that he's played. Um, and I really liked the kids that they brought in. Yeah. And what happened? And we said last week that if Atkins, Knights, and Gibbs weren't dropped then the club didn't know what they were doing and they were quite rightly dropped. I think the selection we actually got was the right choices that were made. And I did think, oh, I did have a little sneaky suspicion that Schoenberg, Schoenberg, say yep. it right, um, was going to get a game soon because the highlights packages they've been doing on the SANFL, which is very, very limited, but they've been starting to highlight him. Yeah. And that's what our, our club's been doing. I was just very annoyed that Melbourne, once again, have incredibly poor tacklers. And they seem to go after our players quite a bit because I really, really, really wanted everybody else to see what Hamill and Shoal can do together in a team. Yeah. Because in the SNFL, they work together so well. Yeah. Well, it was, it was a big shame for Hamill because uh, that's his second concussion for the year. And you would imagine that that might see him. Uh, rested for a couple of weeks, which in the context of this season could be three or four games. So um, a bit of a shame for Will. Um, Lockie had a really good first half, I thought, um, and uh, most of our kids. Uh, I thought Schoenberg looked a little bit uh, overawed in the first half, but certainly in the second half, uh, particularly in the third quarter, he really uh, started to shine. And we got a glimpse of, I think, uh, the makings of a top 10 midfielder, to be perfectly honest. If he builds a tank, Nick, he is going to be a top 10 midfielder in the competition in two years' time. That's that's my opinion. Oh, he was really impressive. You, you could still see sometimes he was a little bit hesitant about yeah. where he needed to go, 
But when he made that decision and yep. there was just beautiful composure, absolutely beautiful composure. Yeah. No, look, it, it was um, it was just very promising, I thought. Um, you know, I think, look, I think there's a long way to go and I don't know necessarily whether we've got... Um, whether we've got the right cattle yet. Um, I really don't know whether we've got the right cattle yet, Nick. Um, but the players that we have got in um, tried their hardest, and I think that's all you can ask. I think there was a ton yep. of effort by pretty much everyone on the field. Um, we certainly didn't have any efforts like Gibbs and, and Atkins um, to any great extent, in my opinion. Um, so I think it's a matter of just... I. That you want to hope that the list management committee are very uh, ruthless about uh, identifying the gaps in the squad because there are a few. I'm starting to ask some questions of Mr Fogarty. Um, I'm starting to ask some questions about um, the way our back six is looking. Uh, Luke Brown worries me a little bit. He's been off the boil, but I think he's... He's earned some brownie points, but I'd like to see him pick up his uh, pick up his form a bit. And Tex is obviously the big one. I mean, Tex is, yeah, he's not in the form that we know he is. But you look at what Himmelberg did, and for me, that's because Tex is in the side with him, and that is the advantage of still having Tex in that team because we've seen what that forward line looks like the week before without Tex, that they are quite lost. He actually helps those younger players know where they should be going and he, he encourages them on the field to do it because we got Himmelberg crashing those packs a bit more and everything else. So I'm giving him a pass because that's what we need from him at the moment. We don't need him to win the game off the boot. He needs He's there to help develop and fast-track those players. Fog, I'm with you. I'm a little bit disappointed in too many blokes broke tackles from him and I think he wasn't fully committed to those tackles so I wonder whether he was a little worried about because he's been done before for being too aggressive Look, but no, I think he lacks intensity at the moment Fogarty and yeah. my, my my thoughts are and we, we might just cover this off real quick now and then talk about it in more depth in a moment but my thoughts I wonder whether he needs to be given the keys to the forward line and basically Tex needs to bow out and we need to hand it over to Fogg and say, well, here you go, it's your forward line. Because at the moment he's playing like a bit player. He's playing like he doesn't quite know how to assert himself. And uh, I, th- we haven't got room for two Tex walkers in the team and at the moment we've got two Tex walkers in the team. And I think the real text walker needs to bow out. I really do. Anyway, let's look at some stats, shall we? And I'm presenting a little bit differently today. Um, so you can see disposals. Uh, I've got the... Have you got the uh, screen up, Nikki, at all? I do. Okay. So I split it up in the quarters today, and you can see that, by and large, disposals were fairly even in the first half. Um First half, North had 138 disposals. We had 137, so pretty much the same. 
Um, but in the second half, um, it started to blow out. Um, we only had 114 disposals in the second half. They had 151. So they certainly had more of the ball in the second half. If you look at the kick-to-handball ratio, um, you'd be able to see that uh, Adelaide in the blue and orange there, in the first half, we were handballing. Uh, we were kicking far more than handballing, which was good. Um, but you have a look at that last quarter with the amount of handballs compared to kicks in the last quarter for us. Whereas Melbourne uh, were able to use the ball by foot really, really well um, and break through quite regularly. Um, look, um, centre clearances were really good, uh, except for that. Uh, oh. First quarter wasn't too bad, it's only one difference. But And I'm going to go back and highlight this in a minute, Nikki, but stoppage clearances. Have a look at that last quarter. Have a look at that second half, really. Yeah. So That is not good. 20 stoppage clearances to two, including zero stoppage clearances to 13 in the last quarter. And uh, I didn't put you any just video. Didn't give a peep. Yeah, I didn't get put any video together tonight because I'm currently working through some copyright issues with AFL Media. Um, however, if you go back and watch the game, you can see we got absolutely slaughtered around stoppage. And when you consider yeah. that um, centre clearances, uh, well, our clearances overall, um, you know, in the first half we actually won clearances overall. Um, but in, in, it's that second half figure. And when I looked at it, I thought, I didn't think we got trounced that much in the centre. We actually didn't. We were three all um, in the, in the, the last ground. quarter. And we were two zip um, in the third quarter. It was and around yet, the ground. Yeah, I thought Riley was actually doing quite well. And even Hibbelberg, when he went in there, was doing quite well as well in terms of um, winning the taps. Um, but that last quarter, we just... I mean, that's why you had Matt Crouch hanging on to Oliver and and other things like this. And the commentators are raving, oh, you know, he looks so fast. It's like, it's because we've tired, you idiots. Well, and, it's fitness, Matt. It's and, fitness. and they all got, yep, and they all got absolutely slammed. Melbourne did. So they all bloody pulled their finger out the bastards, which we thought was going to happen. Well, yeah, but I don't, I don't know whether that was necessarily a factor. They looked bigger than us. They looked faster than us. They looked yeah. fitter than us. And... You know, there's a lot to be said for the fact that we've, at the moment, our team has got a lot of underdeveloped players. And it's not limited just to the small kids. Uh, Elliot Himmelberg has been in our system for how long now? Three years? Yeah, I think it's about three. Uh, I reckon my biceps are bigger than his. Like, what's he been doing? <laughs> do they, do they, uh, did the gym get locked and they've lost the key or something? These uh, kids no, are... he he had a massive growth spurt, and when you have that, you actually do have to. You can't put on the uh, the bulk. You can still do bicep curls, Nick. You can do some stuff, but when it's still when all of you is still growing, Nick, I did he, weights all through my teens, and it didn't hurt me at all. The lad, <laughs> you... the lad has got no definition at all, and you get definition and tone. By more than just resistance work, you get it by hard training as well. And I, I, we've got too many of our players at the moment that lack muscle definition, that lack upper body strength. I actually wonder whether there's a big rejig of our um, 
our whole fitness program on the back of that disaster in 2018 where we just kept pinging soft tissues the whole time. And I just wonder whether we've had to have a bit of a reset. Now, I'm not in any way or shape or form saying that that's the case, but that's the only thing that I can think of because it just seems that none of our players have put on any bulk in the last 12 to 18 months. <coughs> and if you look at a lad like Ben Keys, he's he's rock solid through the upper body. He's come from a different program. So, I don't know. And look, Chase Jones trying to chase uh, Jack Varney around is like a, a kid trying to chase an adult around. Just, it's never going to work. Yeah. Um, so what else? Uh, look, there wasn't a lot else different. Uh, as you pointed out, the hitouts were fairly even, although Melbourne got on top um, again in the last quarter. But uh, I felt that we actually didn't do too badly. Uh, where Riley, I think, uh, and we'll go through some individuals in a minute, but where Riley um, didn't do as well as he usually would do um, is actually around the ground. I, I felt like his... Um, his effectiveness around the ground, O'Brien, I don't know how you saw it, Nick, but I, I felt his effectiveness was just a little bit off. Yeah, he wasn't doing a lot of those contested marks as much as what we have seen. And I, don't know, I think he was probably a little bit more mindful because Gorn's not too bad around the ground. So I think no. he might have been a little bit more mindful regarding that. Yeah, and just as an aside, how the hell did we miss that young lad from the Wineflies that's playing for Essendon at the moment? What a gun ruckman he's going to be. Did you see him play? No. Oh, just some lad that they just pulled out of Ranella. <laughs> and he's fantastic. <laughs> he's like a young Brody Grundy, for God's sake. It's ridiculous. Um, look, Mart's around the ground. Again, we were dominated in the second half. Um, but if you have a look at our uncontested possessions, I think you'll see that the reason for that is the fact that we uh, were dominated in uncontested possessions in the second half as well, which meant that uh, they got a lot of free ball, um, which didn't help us at all. Score um, involvement, look at that in the second half again. Melbourne just sharing the ball around, even in the second quarter. Um, our, our, our second quarter's not bad. Huh? Oh, no, I was looking at the other one. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a bit behind. Uh, <laughs> was it was looking... a bit of a delay, yeah. Uh, those score involvements, it's uh, uh... In, just indicative of the fact that we're not really sharing the ball around well, we terribly didn't, well. We didn't really score in the third quarter, so you'd think it'd be a bit down. No. But the other one that I wanted to uh, just highlight, if you have a look at our inside 50s numbers here, again, in the second half, we were dominated. Um, but then... If you add into it tackles inside 50, those numbers from Melbourne in that last quarter compared to ours, when they had the ball in their forward, in their forward 50, uh, 11 tackles inside 50 in the last quarter out of 14 inside 50s. We had one tackle inside 50 uh, from five entries. And it just shows you that Melbourne would just absolutely hell-bent on keeping that ball in their forward 50 when they got it forward. Um, and if you have a look at where... What do you reckon our best quarter was the first? Probably the first or the second. 13 inside 50s and 10 tackles inside 50, Nick. There's a correlation for you. 
So, you know, um, some good signs and some bad signs. Um, uh, one percenters, I never know what that, what, what does yeah. that even mean? Uh, it's a whole lot of different things. But <laughs> it, they're kind of the, the signs that we, the bad signs are the ones that we've talked about. They're still there. Yep. And I don't think they're going to go away for a while. Um, but you're right. I actually felt a lot more positive about this game um, just purely because of the kids, the endeavour that was brought in. And, yeah, there's still stuff that we know are a massive problem. They're not a little problem. They're massive problems. Yeah. But there's some nice signs for the future. And one thing I do want to point out because there was in the chat just previously that people were talking about, you know, we've got all those small midfielders. We've got a bloke that we haven't really heard too much about in Ronan O'Connor, who's a very good midfielder from WA. So, and he's not a little boy at all. He's very tall. Um, yeah. And he's a pure midfielder. Yeah. He's so, a similar build to Paddy Cripps, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah. Um, if he's got half his skill, he'll be very handy. Yes. So I think we we do definitely have some positives for the future going forward, but our issues are still around our senior players. And what is that game plan? I still well, don't quite know what it is. Now, look, again, uh, when I was watching the game, I had a few um, moments earmarked to, to put on the video, which I didn't end up doing. But... Um, the amount of times I saw blokes not willing to give the first option and not willing to make that 45-degree change of angle kick, um, we we are not making ourselves difficult to play against at the moment. No. Um, you know, this up-and-down-the-line stuff, it, it's it's schoolyard footy, and with modern, modern zones and all the rest of it, you need to be able to, to change lanes, you need to be able to get those quick 45s off. And it takes a little bit of courage, Nick. It takes a little bit of courage and a little bit of confidence in your own skill as well as your teammates actually running to make position. And I felt like in the second half and in the last quarter in particular, when we'd, when we'd run out of gas, the options dried up. Uh, there were less options running through. The, the, the leads into those spaces were not as... Um, not as decisive so they were more easily ignored and the problem is that when a bloke led into that space he didn't then clear out for the bloke behind him to come in um and so those areas of the ground got clogged up really quick and so we were just forced to kick down the line down the line down the line and when we were able to free it up and go through the middle we looked okay but um melbourne did really well um in keeping our run down and forcing us to kick long down the line and we've seen that we just don't have the personnel to be able to play that kind of game. We don't have, aside from Riley O'Brien, we don't have a pack marking tool. Yeah, and most of the time O'Brien was staying back to That's be right. the pack mark of when the ball was invariably coming back. And to me that came down to fitness. That was that fitness, yes. that, that, des- that desire that they needed to spread. They needed to run away from that kick down the line. I agree. And and that's all it was. And I was frustrated by the end of the third quarter because we got a lot of the ball, but we just wasted it. And and I think it was it came down to that that fitness and that desire to 
create the space. Yeah. And that's one of the most important things in football is to create space. Yeah. It's often the way, the most thankless thing to do on a footy field, but it's the one that it results in your team winning. Well, there were a couple of good signs. When you talk about game plan, though, Nick, there were a couple of good signs. And the main good sign that I saw was the fact that we were not flat-footed at centre bounce contests. Even Matt Crouch wasn't. Even Matt, we weren't bodying up. We were in movement. We were, ben Keyes benefited on it, benefited from it a couple of times, but I think that um, contributed to our centre clearance um, numbers because all of a sudden we're essentially winning centre clearances. We won the centre clearance stat for the night. Now, when was the last time that the Adelaide Footy Club won centre clearances for a match? I can't remember. Twenty seventeen. Yeah. So it was, I don't know where that edict came from, um, whether it came from a little show called Crowcast. <laughs> whether Mick, g'day Mick, if you're listening. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Uh, We're here to help. But look, it, it was very noticeable that we didn't body up. Uh, we, we were on the move. We were starting deeper. Um, and Riley was hitting into, into spaces rather than trying to hit it to a player. So there were two key differences, and it really resulted in, um, you know, I mean, Melbourne got their fair share as well, um, particularly early, but the simple fact is that we got quite a few decisive centre clearances, and I I hope that they persevere with that, um, because if we look at some individuals, if I just chuck up Benny Keyes' numbers, he really benefited from that. He got two clearances in the second, two in the fourth, what did Matty Crouch get? Let's have a look. Matthew. Um, Matty Crouch, you know, four clearances. Um, they're the sort of numbers that you want to start getting. Uh, even Harry Schoenberg got two, uh, got a centre clearance in the third quarter. Uh, I don't think uh, That's Chase... a very was, nice one. Chase didn't play a lot in the middle after half time, did he? Well, not even really after quarter time. So, you know... I, I think Riley might have got a couple. Yeah, he got one in the first quarter. So, you know, it, we really benefited from having a much cleaner um, structure in, this, in the centre. Unfortunately, they spent all their week working, or all their five days working on centre clearances and they forgot about stoppage clearances. Um, but I think that was down to strength Forward entries? Uh, forward entries... Um, Inside 50s, is that the one you were talking about? Oh, no, I was just saying that they, we've, we still need to work on that. Well, forward entries, that's a product of the up and down the line thing, though, Nick. Yeah, it you is. Know, um, we're not cutting through uh, half back. And when we get to that dead zone, which is that zone between wing and half forward on the boundary side, and all we do is kick it into the pocket. It's the it's the most ridiculous kick in football. And invariably, it's uh, to one of our tools, but they've got two players on them. Ninety three players and hanging nobody, off them. That's right. And and no, and no crummers because they're still up the ground. And they haven't got back yet. Yeah. Whereas those guys hit it across the ground to them. Yeah. Because they're and- actually there's some good marks. 
Well, I think we I think we missed McAdam. Uh, Benny Crocker. I was a bit disappointed with his um, with his work. Uh, I didn't think he was anywhere near as dynamic as we saw earlier in the season. Um, yep, agree. So, as a consequence, we didn't have a lot of options up forward, and uh, we ended up looking like we were playing quite tall. We had Tex and Fogg and uh, Himmelberg down there for most of the time, and we just needed a. Um, a bit more from Stengel when he was there, although Stengel played a little bit through. Uh, oh, sorry, Stengel wasn't there. Who am I talking about? Uh, Crocker. Murphy. We needed uh, Murphy. Crocker. That's the one I'm talking about. And Murphy unfortunately plays quite high, um, and he doesn't play as that that at the crumb small forward. Although he did get a nice crumb goal um, early on in the game. So McAdam shows it. It sh- that game showed that McAdam will be quite a um, valuable piece in our forward structure because I think he's a point of difference. But we highlighted it last week in our little video thing that the amount of times we get it in that dead zone and we're not prepared to be patient and get the ball across the ground and open up the forward line and kick it to the fat side. We just bomb it in and bomb it in and bomb it in. And it makes you wonder, Nick, if you're a footballer and you, you do something a hundred times and it never works, why do you keep doing it? Because <laughs> you want the coach to yell at you? Well, I can't think of any other reason because it's just like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. It's just not going to happen. Um, but there's a there's, look, there, there's no secret, in my opinion, that we're lacking coaching Um Obviously, the club is struggling under the pandemic restrictions to be able to get cohesive coaching going, match simulation. I don't think they're able to do match sim at the moment. So no, they're not. It's, it's with a young squad and with, um, let's face it, part-time assistant coaches, um, it's little wonder that we're lacking structure at the moment. Um, so I'm not going to hang the coach on that or the players right now because I think it's just very difficult but you just would like to see them think on the ground and just try something a little bit different to try and get a more decisive forward 50 entry Agree Let's have a look at some individuals shall we Um, because that's what we like to do Now Matty Crouch um, he had a reasonable game, a reasonable game. What do you have? Sixteen disposals in the first half. Got a bit quiet in the third quarter. Uh, Ten disposals in the second half. Um, but again, his kick to hand handball ratio is the one that always tells you what you need to know about Matt's game. And unfortunately, there's a hell of a lot of handballing going on there. That's what nine. Well, seven to nine in the first half, which isn't too bad, but uh, two to eight in the second half, and that's what Matt does when he gets tired. He goes back he, to the handball. He goes back to the handball because he hasn't got the the physical strength or fitness, uh, the tank basically to break free of contests. And look, they really ramped it up too. I mean, I'll show you quickly um, Clayton Oliver's stats. Have a look at that for a second half. 14, touch, 14 touches in the last quarter, um, 21 touches in the second half. After being held relatively quiet in the first half, he had five touches in the first, eight in the second. Uh, but that second half, Petraka, much the same. His is in reverse um, to um, 
to Matt Crouch, far more kicking than handball and Petrucca, and therefore far more damaging. Um, He's also got a much nicer kick, oh, to yeah. be fair. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, you know, Jay, Jack Viney is another one, um, you know, particularly in the first half. I, I wonder, did they move Keys off Oliver onto Viney? I couldn't really tell. But it looked I to me as if Keyes was shadowing Oliver in the first half. Yeah, and then because Viney was getting off the chain a little bit, so then they moved him onto Viney, which went Oliver was off the chain. Yeah. And Crouch kind of was that at some stage I know a couple of times in the last quarter Keys was trying to get to Oliver, but he was smart enough to make sure he was manned up on Crouch instead at yep. some of those stoppages. Yeah. You know, and if you're going to try and exploit one of our midfielders, it's Crouch you're going to try and exploit when you've got pace. That's right. Um, look, uh, Matty Crouch, um, what else do we want to have a look at? This is what worries me. Things like this, his ability to impact the score. You know, I know he's a link player, but he only had one inside 50, and that was in the last quarter. His score involvements, uh, three in the first half, which isn't bad, but only, again, one in the last quarter. Um, You know, it's not enough from our number one midfielder. He turned the ball over four times. um, He had a lot of uncontested possession, which meant that other people were having to do the legwork. The other thing, too, is uh, the one thing that I will say that he tackled much better. Eight tackles from Matt Crouch is a good return. Um, Agreed. So, look, on balance, it wasn't a bad game from Matt. Um, I don't think he's anywhere near his 2017 form. Um, But it's probably, I would say, probably the best game he's played this season. Uh, Close to. There was, what was the other one earlier on in the year? Uh, The first game Brad was out. I actually thought that wasn't a bad. Was that that about round three, I think? Yeah, and that wasn't a bad game. <laughs> and it, it's kind of sad that he actually plays better without his brother in the team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've talked about that a lot, haven't we? Uh, look, Benny Keys had a really good game, I thought. Um, what's that? He had uh, nine possessions in the first half and 11 in the second half. If we look, to, look at his kick-to-handball ratio... Um, you know, pretty balanced there. Pretty balanced, uh, two to one in the first, three each in the second, three to two in the third, and two to four in the fourth. So not too bad. But his his strength is obviously in clearances. Um, he did really well in clearances. He had two in each of the first three quarters and one in the last. Um, so that's a pretty good return. If we have a look at where he influenced in terms of clearances, whoops. Pardon me, I just missed that up. Uh, clearances. We have a look at his stoppage over his centre clearances. That's what I wanted to do. Let's bring that back so that we can actually see it. There we go. Um, you can see that he was actually the only one really getting much uh, 
stoppage success really although again in that last quarter didn't have any um, but he's good at, he's good at center he's good uh, around the stoppage he's he's just strong isn't he Nick he's uncompromising he's, he's strong yeah and he can take he can hold the line in heavy traffic which is what I like and I and I think he's probably surprised himself with how well he's also doing uh, as well it, he's just consistent across he's a very consistent player and we did talk about earlier in the year that what the one thing that does let him down is sometimes his disposal and the kick doesn't quite get there but his consistency and the fact that you know that the coaches know they can give him a job to mind a player but he can go and get it himself yeah um, which is a, a great thing to be able to do I would like also for him just to like probably a similar um a similar uh, thing to Matty, I'd like him to get more value on the scoreboard for his involvements. You see, he had four inside 50s, which was pretty good. Um, his score involvement, so he only, only involved in two scores for the night. And I think that's an issue I have with a lot of our midfield, and I think, again, it comes back a bit to fitness, Nick. Then they're, they're usually only getting involved in certain parts of the ground, and they rarely, you rarely see our, our, how can I put this? You rarely see our midfielders impacting with decisive passes into the forward fifty. Um, it's normally the forwards passing into the forwards. Exactly, it's the, it's the Tom Lynch or 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 the uh, uh, Lockie Murphy or the Tex Walker or you know someone like that that's passing in. Um, it's rarely a Matt Crouch or a Ben Keys or. a... Chase Jones or, you know, whoever else is playing through there. Seisman's probably our most effective if you have a look at Seisman. Um, you know, he had three score involvements in the first and two in the second but then dried up after half time. I was actually really disappointed with Seisman's second half because he had such a good first half. Yeah, um, I was going to say, his first half was so good. All Seisman's stats are pretty much, um, if you have a look at his disposals, although... He got five disposals in the last, but it seemed he was at seemed he was at his most efficient and effective um, in the first half. Um, after he got that hit from that guy that fired him up briefly, it seemed to to put him back. Harry Schoenberg, um, as I said, looked a little bit rattled early in my opinion, but gee, that's not a bad second half. Eight touches from the lad in the second half. Um, they're good numbers from a first gamer. His kick to handball ratio is really good too. Um, so, and he, even though I felt like he looked like he lacked half a yard of pace, he does. He's very composed in traffic, isn't he? I think it was. Is I think he was just being a bit more careful. And see it at PJ say- Crows in the chat too. Thanks for dropping in, mate. Sorry, keep um, going. Oh, yep, see you, PJs. Um, I think he's he's shown quite a bit of dash in some of the highlight videos we've seen from the SNFL and, and previously also his draft one that he does have a quite nice, nice turn of speed. I think it was just that little bit of that hesitation um, yeah. coming in. So I hope he stays in the team for next Tuesday. Yep. And it'd be interesting to see, particularly up against that Collingwood midfield, 
what does he do there? I mean, he really needs to look at um, side bottom. And yeah, that's the type I of hope player they just he is, kind of isn't go, he? Just, just, yeah, just go with him. Watch him play like him. You know, three score involvements in the second half, which is really good. He had three three inside fifties for the for the night. Um, had a stoppage clearance and um, a centre clearance as well in the third quarter, where he looked. That was his best quarter, I would imagine. His third quarter, um, just just looked quite composed. Um, was able to get outside as well. Had a number of uncontested possessions. What's that? Three, six, eight uncontested possessions. Um, so, and didn't really turn it over uh, all that much. In fact, he didn't turn it over at all because he got a negative turnover in the last quarter, according to Footy Wire. Um, so, look, <laughs> <laughs> not a, not a bad start from uh, from uh, Harry. So, Rory Laird, what do you think of Rory's game? I thought he, he looked a lot more engaged in the midfield. He, I think he kind of knew a little bit better about what he should be doing in there, but there were still a few little lapses that had me yelling at the television. Yeah. I feel like um, Rory might have found a spot a little bit, at least in the short term. I think yeah, he's enjoying I, I the freedom. Really, I really like him as part of that midfield rotation. Um, just his lapses are, he just gets a little ball watchy. Yeah, he does. And I think that just kind of needs to be held back a little bit better. But the fact that he's been mostly training with the defence and he's only just now being able to train with the midfield, I think that shows. um, That we've, that You've just had to to throw him in there and go sink or swim. Yeah. Look, again, my criticism is in this particular stat here is kick-to-handball ratio. Um, He had eight handballs on only one kick um, up to half-time and uh, right at that maybe got a message at half-time because he had five to two um, in in the third quarter but then one to three in the last. So, you know, there's a lot of handballs there and... We need raw, and that's probably indicative of the fact that he hasn't been playing in the midfield and is getting used to the the the, the speed in there um, because you don't see him break away all that much. But I feel like Laird one of the few who does have a little bit of breakaway ability in terms of his first five steps. So, yeah, and um, he was he was doing a real nice fight um, in that midfield and yeah. stopping them getting a breakaway. So I was really pleased with that aspect of the the way that we were we weren't giving up the center clearance. Yeah. Um a good portion of um Lady's game was his tackling. He had four tackles in the first quarter and seven for the match, which was very good. Um his uh, clearance work um fell away after half time. He had four clearance uh, sorry, three clearances in the first half. Um one of them was centre and two was stoppage, but uh, um, went missing after half time around around the contest, which was a little bit disappointing. But worth persevering with, uh, particularly at the moment where we're lacking um, experience in that midfield group, you know. And with Brad out, um, Brody Smith uh, not making it for this game, uh, and probably not being the answer in terms of that 
sort of grunty sort of inside mid. It, a lot is on Rory Laird's shoulders over the next four weeks until Brad Crouch gets back to be able to hold the fort and support, you know, your Chase Joneses and your Harry Schoenbergs, etc. Um, right. Who else do we want to talk about? Um, Chase Jones. Let's talk about Chase Jones. What are we going to do about Chase Jones, Nick? They were mostly playing him off half back from what I could see. Mm. He had um, three disposals for the match. One kick, two handballs. Um, to me, at the moment, look, I, I'm a I'm a big um, proponent of keeping him in the team. But even to me, at the moment, it looks like he needs a rest. And I'm probably last cab off that rank. Um, everyone's been saying it for the last two or three matches... But if he can only get three three touches in a match, there's something wrong. Yeah, and if if they've taken him out of that midfield rotation because he was just getting a bit too bodied up, etc., they've put him on that half-back line. Yes, he's being mindful for a player, but our half-backs are supposed to be quite proactive. Mm-hmm. And he just wasn't quite getting there. Then I think, yeah, just give him a rest, manage him like they've done with, some of the others. I'm, I'm actually quite impressed with the way that they've managed like Stengel and McAdam and they did a little bit with um, Macasey or Casey and they've brought him back in and and Fish, he lost his player a couple of times but I think he looked a lot better. Yeah, um, I, I thought Fish looked better but Chase to me, playing off that halfback line, yeah. He needed to be, when we're talking about providing those 45-degree angle options, that that was his role. That's part of his role across halfback. And I really didn't see it. It it seemed like he was was still trying to play a midfield role by getting to the next pack and all the rest of it instead of actually trying to create short options. Um, Again, he's probably not benefiting from our lack of match sim at the moment, but... He's a sea ball, get ball type, and to see him only getting three touches when the ball spent a lot of time in in uh, the forward 50 for the Melbourne footy club in the, in the second half, um, I'm willing to concede that the time has come for him to have a little bit of a rest. Particular, I, I think he comes out for Brody Smith. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah, and there's that, no shame. Um, there's no shame I think that's in that. Yeah, kind of swap. Yeah, there's no shame in that for Chase. Um, I, you know, I, I'm a fan of his because I reckon there's a lot to work with, uh, but at the moment he's just not getting the pill. And uh, his effort in the last when Viner kicked that goal and he just looked completely confused around that stoppage. He was actually double teaming another player and let Viney just go. Um, he he looks very confused. He looks like he's overthinking it. He doesn't he doesn't look. He either looks as if he's been overcoached or he actually doesn't know what his task is at the moment. So um, yeah, we need to uh, we need to sort that out. Um, he needs a he needs a refresh. Yep, Lucky Shoal had a very good first half. Faded after half time, like so many of our young players did. 
um, but did very well. Had six kicks and three handballs in the first half, only a handball in the second. Um, but and looked com- looked composed. Looked pretty silky, didn't he? In that first half, looked pretty silky. I I was just so pleased because I've been watching him for the last year in the SNFL, just going get this kid in the team. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've been talking about Hamill and Scholl all last year. Like, get him in the team. Get him in the team. Get- that's why I wanted him in the team, and I was so pleased that he had such a, a a good first half, and he just showed a couple of those little tricks. He hasn't done a left foot kick yet. Nobody's actually seen him do that in the AFL, but in the SNFL, his left foot's actually better than most left footers. Um, he is completely dual sided, which is a fabulous bag of tricks to have on a player that's either that running half back or wing type player. Yeah, no, look, a lot to work with with Lockie, but again, so very slight. Um, such a light frame for a kid who's been in our system now for long enough to have, you know, developed a little bit. Same with Will Hamill, you know. He, he, he just got ragdolled by Neil Bullen, just ragdolled. And Neil Bullen was slightly unlucky because the fact is that it would have been like swinging a kid around. Um and he got but unfortunately, Bullen, as soon as you start turning somebody, you've got to let go. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. They know that. <laughs> I reckon they know it, that. I reckon if Neil Bullen let him go halfway through that sling tackle, Hammer would have ended up in about the fourth row. <laughs> would have been like a hammer throw. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, Shoal needs to put on some muscle, um, as do all of our kids. And that, that to me, uh, fitness and... Um, body definition, muscle definition are the, are the two things I think we're severely lacking at the moment and, and all our kids, all our kids show it. Uh, who else would we like to look at? Let's look at Tommy Duday. Um, you know, as you'd expect, came into his own in the when the going was tough, had uh, 13 disposals in the second didn't half. didn't really want to stretch the hamstring out though. There are a couple of times I thought you've given up on that chase a little bit. Yeah, but that's probably reasonable. Um, Considering how bloody cold it was, yeah. And somebody has yeah. done a hamstring numerous times, oh, yeah. yeah. Again, though, what I would say, and maybe this is a product of the, the hamstrings, I don't know, Nick, but uh, handballed it a hell of a lot. In second half out of uh, 13 disposals, only two kicks and only five kicks for the game. Um, so that's 13 handballs, five kicks. Um, and, you know, to me that just shows that, um, like, let's go back to the uh, to the team-based uncontested possession count. And it just in that second half there, we just got monstered in uncontested possession. Pardon me, uncontested possession. And I think this high handball count that we had, uh, this high kick-to-handball ratio that we had, um, was indicative of a team that just didn't have enough options and that's obviously indicative of a team that can't run. Yeah. Um, Riley O'Brien I thought was pretty good. Um, what's that? That's uh, six kicks and three handballs. As we uh, showed before, did pretty well in the hitouts. Um, uh, got a couple of clearances too, one in the first quarter. Um just never stops trying. A couple of tackles. Um, just I've noticed over the last couple of weeks with Riley, he's not clunking the marks. 
that he was in the in the previous few weeks. He just seems his hands have gone off a little bit, um, but he's still getting to a lot of contests and bringing the ball to ground um, and taking. He took one absolute beauty um, across half back. I think it was in the third quarter um, under enormous pressure. So I mean, I, my my thoughts on Riley haven't changed at all. Um, he's our number one ruck, and and that's the end of the story. Um, Elliot Himmelberg. Let's talk about Elliot Himmelberg. Nick, what do you think? Definitely better than last week. <laughs> that wasn't hard. Um, again, it was a bit of that that need to spread and create space, which I've seen him do. And that third quarter that he kind of kept plonking himself in that kick down the line where I would have rather seen him try and be more him than Tex um, to be one of those helpful ones either coming through the centre half forward and into that midfield kind of space. I think you've got to to have your big guy down the line, Nick. He's your bailout option. But we had Fogg and we had Tex. Yeah, but that's then Fogg and, and Tex so shouldn't be the, running to that area. Yeah, but Fogg and Himmelberg being your tall player needs to be down the line. He's your bailout option. It's Fogarty and that. Tex and and uh, Tommy Lynch that need to be providing that shorter option. And you're right, they all run to that at one area, and magically none of them actually make it to to the contest ever. Um, but I, I so I'm, I'm not critical of Himmelberg there. He, he's still to me, he's still very light in the contest, so he still gets buffeted out of position very easily. Um, but he's very good below his knees. Um, he is. Very good below his knees. Um, and he does have a good footy brain. I, I worry about his lack of speed, and I continue to worry about his hands and his strength in the marking contest. Now, how long has he been on our list now? Three years? Well, you know how I made the comment last year about his problem with marking is because he takes his arms straight up. Yeah, yeah. And that's why they're flat hands and he can't mark it because he's got to tap it down. Mm. But we saw earlier this year, he actually had them out at the 10 o'clock. Mm. The yeah, he's fixed that up. But, he's, but he but went back hand- to straight He went back to straight up again this game. And I'm like, ah! Yeah, but a lot of that is because he's pushed under the ball, Nick. He's pushed out of position. Yeah, he's, yes. he's not... He doesn't. He doesn't take a position and hold his ground. Unfortunately, he's he's too easily, and and to me that's indicative of, of a player who's actually getting to the to the ball, the drop zone. Um, a bit too early. Too early. That's right. He's not jumping into the drop zone. He's getting into the drop zone too early, and blokes are coming in over the top of him. And he's got to be able to time his efforts. And also, it's a lot to do with the delivery from down the ground as well. Um, yeah, but it's probably um, he's just sitting under the ball a little bit. Um, Would he benefit from coming a little bit more sideways at the contest? Oh, well, most big players would benefit from coming sideways to the contest, really, um, because there's less opportunity to be uh, to be pushed under or sideways. If you're coming from sideways, then you really can... If you're coming from sideways to the drop zone, immediately any defender that's behind you is out of the play. So um, it's not a bad technique. 
Um, but unfortunately, if if he's just there to take the bailout kick, then the ball's always going to be bombed, and he's not going to have the opportunity to make that position. So um, he's got to be a little if to be able to accommodate that kind of kick, he's got to be a little bit stronger. Um, but that said, he's he wasn't assisted by the way the ball was coming down. Um, no. And and you know you made a you made a remark earlier about Tex Walker. I don't think Tex had a very good game at all. From I understand what you're saying about experience and all the rest of it, but I don't think Tex was putting himself in the right positions. I actually think Tex was positioning himself. Um, he, he was actually taking up space where he didn't need to be, um, and making it more difficult for blokes like Himmelberg because he was Tex draws players to him so. You know, this is where I get back down to this this issue of whether we need Tex and Fogarty in the team. I mean, we look at Fogarty's numbers, and uh, they're pretty shocking, really. He had five touches for the game, had two quarters, the second and the fourth, that he didn't touch the ball. Now, in the second quarter, we had a fair bit of it. Um, yeah, I was disappointed. Hello? Hello? Yeah, you just dropped out there for a minute. Uh, yeah, I was, I was disappointed in Fogg because he got that nice free. We had him matched up on Lever, yeah, which was a great way to exploit Lever, and then they rejigged it to get Lever away from him. And I think we needed to rejig to get it back how we wanted it. They they allowed the defence to dictate, um, and once he got around May, et cetera, who would then would be able to come off yeah. and do the intercept. He's not smart enough as a forward yet at the AFL level to exploit what he should be able to exploit. Yeah. If you have a, a look at our inside 50s, um, and for those, for those listening, um, if you want to mess around with these stats, uh, they'll be loaded up on Patreon later tonight. If you have a look at our inside fifties um, in this match, what have I done here? Anyway, um, you'll notice that um, so we had thirteen in the first and nine in the second. So we've had twenty-two inside fifties in the first half, Nick. 22 inside 50s in the first half. And Darcy Fogarty, in that time, has had it two times. Taken no marks. Kicked one goal. Laid one tackle. I mean... He's got to be more involved he, he, than that. He missed about five tackles. Yeah, he's got to be more involved than that. You know, he had two score involvements both in the first quarter. But as I said, when you consider the amount of inside 50s that we had in that first half, you know, 22, he, 22 times it went into his area and he hardly he hardly touched it. So, I mean, to be fair, it was his first game back after being out for quite a while with a that shoulder contusion. But still, um, well, I was a little disappointed. I mean, Vardy Magic he makes the comment that he he seemed to be protecting that shoulder. 
which is why he tended to be reaching for those tackles and too many players broke them. If, then if don't that was bloody the case, play him. Yeah, then he shouldn't have been playing. Don't, we've got options. We've got, we have got. We could have brought um, uh, the other tall lad in. What's Davis. his name? Frampton. No. We could have brought in Benny Davis, who I don't know what's happened to Ben. Is he in quarantine for six months? Um, but he certainly could have come in. Uh, there's a lot to be said for the fact that we could have played Tex deeper in the forward 30 and actually had Davis in to lead up a little bit more and played Himmelberg a little bit more traditional centre-half forward. I mean, there was lots of options. We didn't have to play Darcy. Um, and you're right, he didn't look right. Uh, Vardy's spot on um, in that it looked like he was favouring that shoulder. Um, so, I don't know, was that a poor selection? I'm not sure. Uh, we got another game next Tuesday, so he's got a week to recover, but I would have much rather have seen Darcy miss and got that shoulder 100% right if, in fact, that was what the problem was. Uh, I'm not quite convinced that it was, but uh, because I've seen Darcy play like it before where he just he's always one or two seconds too late to a contest or one or one second too late to lay that tackle. Do you, know, do you understand what I mean? It's, yeah. It's just it's just the pace of the, the game. Yeah. Just off the off off the pace of the game, so he's a little bit of a concern. But look, um, overall, overall, Nicky, um, considering what we've dished up at times during the season, um, the only the disappointments from mine were probably Crocker and Jones. Um, but aside from that, I felt like it was almost an all played well situation. Yeah, agree. So, um, look, we're not going to have a two-hour epic tonight, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Macca. <laughs> There's no Macca. No, absolutely not. There's no Macca. It's um, probably always my fault because I bring up something about off off of the club and we have to go, yeah, go on that. So you fire him up. It's me. <laughs> you fire him up. I fire you up as well. <laughs> yeah, occasionally you do. Occasionally you do. But, look, um, who have we got next week? We've got Collingwood. That's We've going to be a real, real test. Uh, Collingwood sort of uh, also struggling with injuries a little bit. They, um, they are struggling with injuries. They've also – they were in Perth. They had to fly to the Gold Coast. Now they've got to fly to us. Yeah. And if that accident injury to Quainor hadn't have happened, they were – out on their feet. Sydney were running over the top of them. Because it took so long to get him off the ground, it actually mm. gave Collingwood a breather. So yeah. I think I don't know. That there's, a, there's a chance to get Collingwood possibly here. Possibly. Well, if we bring that same intensity. Look, the, the intensity is, is you're right. But our ability to, to run out four quarters at that level of intensity yeah. is in question. Now, you're right, Collingwood's on a, on a long road trip uh, and that's going to that's gonna play into their, their fitness levels. Um, but they're a very strong side, Collingwood, very strong side. Um, so selection, again, is going to be interesting. It'll be interesting to see whether they persist with Chase. It'll be interesting to see um, what they do with uh, Maxi, whether they keep him... Uh, back again or play him up forward again and uh, whether they keep Himmelberg in the team uh, Fogarty will be the second game in you would expect um, from a spell um, but I, I just want to close off I, I want to close off uh, this cast 
and I, I want to engage the people on chat uh, and anyone else that's listening to this uh, after the event you put your thoughts on Twitter or Facebook I honestly think Nick that Tex Walker should be hanging up the boots this week I think he's still got something to offer. But. I don't think he does. I don't think he does. He can't kick over 50 anymore. He can't kick over 40 anymore. Have, have you seen the last couple of long shots that he's had? He's really dragged that leg around. That, that is not like him. That is not like him. And what that tells me is that he's no longer got confidence in that long kicking. And. If he's no longer got confidence in that long kicking, that's because of his hip or because of his knee. Um, he has he can't take contested marks anymore. He's of absolutely no value going up in contested situations. And in fact, he clogs up space because he draws players to him. Um, I haven't seen him hit up a burst lead for a long time. I understand what you say about experience, but... We need to give these young lads the keys and I think young Darcy needs to be given the keys to that forward line and the only way that Darcy can take over and impose himself on a game is if Tex Walker is not in the game, in my opinion. If if he does hang up the boots, I'd like him to then give Hart the boot and he becomes our forward line coach. <sighs> Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I, I reckon my cat could probably do better than Ben Hart as a forward line coach. <laughs> to be honest with you, he seems to get in good position, my cat. Um, but look, seriously, and this I'm not bagging Tex, but to my way of thinking, this is clearly Tex's last season. doesn't matter what he comes out during the week and says. To me, Tex, this is clearly Tex's last season. And whether he retires or whether he decides to drop out and be there as a break glass situation and let Darcy come in we cannot play Darcy and Tex in the same team in my opinion and we've wasted so much time with Darcy Fogarty we need to give him the keys to the forward line and the only way that happens is if Tex bows out and that's that's my main reason for wanting Tex to give it up is not so much for text, but because of Darcy, in my opinion. Look, I think Vardy Magic made a very good point, though, is how lost we look when we didn't have him in the Roos game. Um, and that's that's the issue. Is I completely understand where you're coming from, that they are too similar. And we had this debate at the start of the year um, about what are we going to do with Fogg because he and Tex are too too similar, but it's that real fine balancing act of we've got to have that little bit of good experience around them because he's one of, okay, yes, he's one of the senior players that isn't pulling his weight in terms of what you just highlighted there, but I think he's pulling his weight in terms of actually helping the kids on the field. Um, It's... It's a bloody hard thing to do because he, he and he is and has long been a big favourite of mine. Um, but 
it's it's just such a hard thing to do because if we go too young in that forward line, will it be the detriment to those players? Look, I don't... don't, Macca would love me saying that. Yeah, and look, I hear what you're saying and, you know, I'm I'm looking at the chat here. Um, You know, yes, we did look lost against the Roos um, without Tex in in the thing, but that's no reason to keep Tex in the thing. Because he's just taking a he's taking a spot. Now there's merit in having him in the coach's box, absolutely. There's merit in in keeping him on the list until the end of the end of the year and coaching these young forwards, absolutely. But having him in the team for experience robs another kid of a spot. And there are plenty of examples of you give the kid an opportunity and they'll take it. Gold Coast are currently showing that if you give kids an opportunity, they'll take it. You know, there's not a lot of experience in that Gold Coast team and they're far more competitive than than we are at the moment. You know, we've got more experience in our team than they do. So I think think if you're going to... If you're going to understand whether players have got it or not, you've got to give them a run. And I don't think at the moment... I don't think we really understand what Darcy Fogarty can bring as a forward because he hasn't been given the opportunity to play in the role that he was drafted to play, which is that that lead-up Jack Revolt-type forward, right? And the reason he hasn't been given that is because he's always playing third-string forward. And he's a, he's a laid-back country boy, and he's not going to assert himself when Tex is around because Tex is a bloody hero. So Tex could tell him to do sit-ups in the forward pocket and Darcy go and do it. We need to get... Tex out of the system so Darcy can impose himself on the system and so the three of those lads Himmelberg, um, McAdam and Fogarty can start building some synergy and some understanding between each other and you want to put the argument about who's going to be in our next premiership side well Tex Walker's not going to be in our next premiership side so these are my reasons It's, it's I'm not shit canning Tex in the slightest but his output is low. I mean, you've got to look at his stats. Texas stats um, on the weekend. Uh, what do you have? Uh, five kicks. Um, took two marks. Um, didn't kick a goal. Um, wasn't invo- involved in one score. Didn't have one inside 50, Nick. I mean, they're not... What is that? That's What is that? Not good. Well, and again, I'm not trying to shit can text. What I'm saying is the argument, I think, is uh, for keeping him in the team for experience is outweighed by the argument that says that he is actually doing more harm than good in that forward line, not only because he's taking up space, but because we're not getting any output from him. Two years ago, he would have nailed that goal from outside 50 without any problem whatsoever. He wouldn't have even broken a sweat. And now he's kicking across the body because he doesn't think he can make the distance anymore. He hasn't got burst speed. He hasn't got the overhead marking ability. He's not getting separation from his opponent, so he's not getting cleared to hit up on a lead unless he gets way, way, way down the ground. And he hasn't got the fitness base to get way, way down the ground for long periods of time anymore. I don't think... I, I just think he he needs to make way. And it's a very hard call because he's a cult hero at Adelaide. And in many respects, he's been the soul of the club for a long time. But 
this is changing of the guard stuff and i think text needs to fall on his sword that's uh, that's my honest opinion if i'm being completely objective even my son will hate me for this but if i'm being completely object- objective i think that text has to make way and we know that the club won't say anything it'll be actually up to tex himself it'll be it'll be tex tex's call um and not many people are supporting me in the chat and that's fine because i'm used to that <laughs> um and i and i hear the the arguments against what i'm saying 100 percent um but uh i i don't think he's i don't te- i don't think tex is going to benefit from being in any other position I feel like it smacked of a bit of de- desperation early in the season when we were trying to turn him into a second ruck to justify his spot in the team. Um, I don't think Fogarty is, is, uh, has got the fitness to play midfield. I don't think he's a midfielder. I think he's a dead set forward, Darcy Fogarty. And we've got to, we've, after three or four years on our list, we've got to work out whether Darcy Fogarty is the real deal whether, and we've got to develop him. And at the moment, we're not doing anything. He's just playing a bit part in a in a dysfunctional forward line. Hard truths, Nick. <laughs> you love them. Kempy text to a wing. You know they've got to run on the wing, don't you? Come on, come on, Kempy. I know this is this is all very you know heartstring sort of stuff, but we can't be moving text to a wing. And uh, Fogg can jump, and he can put both arms up above his head as well. Um, we need to give Fogg the room to to do his stuff uh, rather than just running in behind Tex all the time. Anyway, I'm not going to argue the point. They're my thoughts. Uh, give us your thoughts on Facebook and on Twitter during the week or on YouTube. Um, I'm happy uh, to hear everyone's thoughts, but they're my thoughts, Nick. Fair enough. Now, I reckon that's uh, just about it for tonight. We've got uh, Collingwood next. When is it? Tuesday? Tuesday, 6.05. 6.05. Ridiculous time. Ridiculous time. But anyway, we'll deal <laughs> with it. Means I have to leave work at 4.30. <laughs> but, I, will, uh, I will actually be going to the game. Yeah. Because it's a, at a respectable time. It means I can actually get home at a decent time and get to work on time the next day. Well, look, thanks to everyone who's joined us uh, on the weekend wrap tonight. Uh, an interesting discussion. Uh, g'day to Macca with his uh, other commitments. Hopefully he'll be back next Four week. Four on Nikki. the birthdays or something. Oh, who knows? It's what happens when you have a big family. They, they all just want the bloody inheritance. That's what it is, Nick. Um, <laughs> I think we deserve the inheritance more than them, don't we? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We'll get a letterbox. Nick, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming along. And Mrs Macca to do the dishes. Yeah, exactly. Thanks to everyone who's uh, joined us. We really appreciate it. Um, don't forget to uh, give us a shout-out on Twitter or Facebook about what you think about Tex Walker. Um, don't forget to share this video on Facebook or YouTube uh, if you like the content. And uh, hit us up on AFL Crowcast if you want to have a say on Discord. Nikki, it's been wonderful. But all back, good things back must to the come old days. to an end. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Just the two of us. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Night all.